Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. We have so many guests on this show making a difference in our lives, making a difference all around the world with the expertise that they bring. And yet so many of you are reaching out to me saying, you want more. It's not enough, just what we're putting on these podcast episodes for you. And so I am here to extend a very warm welcome to you to our Difference Maker community, where you can join for as little as $5 a month to get all this extra content out the gate. You're going to get 30 plus minisodes of exclusive content not available for the regular podcast listeners and an exclusive minisode every month. And you'll get exclusive voting power to help us pick podcast topics and more. And that's with our changers tier. There's three different main tiers and then an extra uh, larger tier. But whatever tier that you join at, you will be included in this extra content. And I know that many of you are wanting to go a little bit deeper. And so even though it gets a little wild in there sometimes because of how deep we go, I want you to join us there. This extra content is very special. It means a great deal to me to be a part of this community with you. And I would love to just exchange uh, ideas or perspectives that you have around these different episodes. And that's the place where we do it. So please show up to our Difference Maker community. Give us $5 out of your pocket every month. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun in there because we do. And I would love for you to join us. So go to patreon.com slash a world of difference to join us there. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. Our guest on today's show is Bonnie Gray. Bonnie is the author of Whispers of Rest, Finding Spiritual White Space, and her book coming out next month in October, Sweet Like Jasmine. She's an inspirational speaker and podcast host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. Bonnie touches thousands using her storytelling, soul care, and prayer. And Bonnie has a global following of readers that come to her for inspiring Christian content and her very authentic and unique voice. Her writing has been published and syndicated across a broad online audience. Bonnie lives here in California with her husband and two sons. She's going to be telling the story in her book, Sweet Like Jasmine, of growing up in San Francisco as an Asian American. Her voice is not often heard, especially in Christian publishing. And so I'm super excited to introduce her to you if you've not heard her yet. It is my honor and my privilege to welcome to today's show, Bonnie Gray. Welcome to the World of Difference podcast. Lori, I am so happy to have a virtual cup of coffee or if you're a tea lover, virtual cup of tea with you. Yes, well, I'm both. So <laughs> coffee or tea, either way. So um, I know that we are, uh, we have a mutual friend, Karen Chang. So we want to shout out to her for introducing us to one another. And, um, I know a little bit about you, but I would love for my audience around the world to get a little more of an introduction into who you are. And, uh, maybe you could just tell a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now. Well, you know, it's interesting because a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable to tell you what I'm about to tell you about myself. Um, my mother is a mail-order bride in Hong Kong. My father was a busboy in a noodle shop in Chinatown in San Francisco. And this is something that I held close to my chest. I didn't tell anybody as I was growing up. And in fact, um, a lot of this my own children didn't know until I finished the manuscript for my new book, 
Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. And the reason why I didn't tell a lot of these stories in this book to my own children is because, you know, when my father left when I was seven, my whole, the whole trajectory of my life, I felt went off course. Off course from what I felt was normal or what was like for other people that I would meet at school. And even as I went into high tech, working in Silicon Valley, what I felt were normal professional people. Like I did not want people to know about my different, what I felt was strange and weird Asian American journey. And even among Asian Americans, my story is kind of odd. So, but you know, I just, and we'll get into this podcast. It's so interesting how God uh, uses curiosity to draw us to enter into spaces where we may not have had the bravery, but he uses curiosity. And in my case, Lori, I was um, just had my second son. I have two boys. They're 13 and 15 now. So this has actually been a 10 year journey for me to get to the point where I feel like I'm brave enough and I've had the support of friends along the way, going through my own healing process where I can say, hey, this is my story. The time is now to share this story. But I, I was looking for uh, my son, Caleb at the time was born, Josh and Caleb. And they needed to be in, the older son needed to be in preschool. You know, anybody that's a parent knows, you know, you need some sanity for a few hours. Yeah. I was looking, I was looking for that birth certificate and to enroll him and I stumbled upon my own. And um, I don't know, when's the last time you've looked at your birth certificate, Lori? Well, as somebody who's moved a lot and had to do a lot of visa applications in many countries, it's not been that long ago that I had to look at it. So. <laughs> yeah, you're a well-traveled world traveler. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah. You, God sends you to many places. Um, well, I, I haven't really looked at it that closely, you know, maybe pulled it out a few times to prove my identity, but I somehow just looked at it and I was like, wait a minute, I was born in a hospital called Chinese Hospital. Why in the world is a hospital named after an ethnicity? Yeah. And then I looked closer. My mother was 17 years old when she immigrated here to um, Chinatown, San Francisco. And I noticed that the address of my mother is the same address as the hospital. I never noticed that before. And I said, gosh, I've never been back to see my childhood home. I, I just, I wanted to leave my past behind me. I didn't want my past to taint the story of my children. I didn't want my children to grow up feeling like they're different or odd or weird the way I felt. Mm. But then in that moment, I realized, wait a minute, one day my sons are gonna ask me, mom, where is grandpa? Where's yeah, yeah? That means, you know, yep. grandpa in Chinese. Yeah. And when did we come to America? I married a Caucasian, so they're half Chinese American and you know, they're going to ask me and I have no idea because my father left. I'd never seen him again. I never saw him again after I was seven. I don't know when he came to America. So suddenly I was curious. I initially started this journey of a kind of like a mystery, you know, Lori, I did it for my children because I didn't want them to grow up feeling the way I did, meaning not whole. Kind of like I'd stand around, I'd be with other people. I, I can't talk about my family because it's just so different. I didn't want them to feel that way. So I went on this journey to try to find my childhood home, try to find my father. 
and ask him, why did you leave? When did you come to America? Why did you come to America? And why did you marry my mother? Um, all these questions that I've run away from, I said, I'm going to find out. And so inevitably, as God does, you know, he was going to remake my story, rewrite my story. It wasn't just for my son. God had work for me to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so compelling. I, I really hope there's a movie about this someday. And I'm already imagining the cast. <laughs> You will definitely be played by someone very beautiful. Um, but yeah, your story, it's so compelling because it's, it's, um, it's fascinating in the sense that some of the details may not be exactly how other people could relate in every single part of the world. But um, there are parts about American history, at least for now, that so many people don't know about that are fascinating. My kids are, you know, we're growing up here in California now that we've moved here from Singapore. And they are so fascinated by Asian American history just because they've lived in Asia for most of their lives. And there's so many people walking around that don't know a lot of the immigrant stories and how, you know, there's a lot of pain and triumph and joy and shame and honor and all the things mixed in there. And those parts of stories, no matter what your um, religious or ethnicity in your background is, we have those elements in all of our stories typically. And so I think people can relate to that part of your story, at least the, the ups and downs and the fears, you know, finding out who you are and your identity is a part of all of our stories. And so, yeah, but in, your story has a lot of um, elements that you're going to, you know, mention in your book, which I do encourage everyone to pre-order and we'll, we'll give you details about that later in the show notes and all that, but um, I know that you, part of your subtitle has to do with loneliness and you experienced a lot of loneliness. So I'd love for you to explain to our audience around the world, how did you come to believe that you needed to not be lonely anymore? And what was the importance of being vulnerable in order to find your belonging in that? Well, I think it's kind of the family code that I grew up in, which was you don't talk about your family. You don't talk about what's wrong. You don't talk about, um, you know, any hurt or wounds. You need to go on, you need to be strong, and you need to stop worrying about so many things. Get things done, take care of other people, and basically, sorry to put it bluntly, shut up. Mm. Keep quiet. And, um, you know, if you grew up in that kind of family code that I did, um, it doesn't seem like it's lonely because you get a lot done when you are uh, performing, doing well and kind of constantly looking at, well, what are other people talking about? What do other people find interesting? How can I overcome? It's kind of like a typical immigrant story of overcoming, but at the same time, you know, it's not just about immigrants. I think we are all, what I'm finding as I'm talking about this book, talking about the stories, we are all lonely. And especially going through this pandemic, we hide the things that bring us shame. We hide our struggles. We want to wait until we've gotten a solution. Then I'll say, oh yeah, I've really been struggling with insomnia or, oh yeah, you know, um, it's so hard with our kids, with distance learning. But we only tell these stories after we found a solution or only after we feel like we can say something in, of a strength from a position of power. And actually, this is a very lonely place to be. I didn't think it was called loneliness. I thought it was just being strong. But as I grew older in different phases of my life, I carried around a sense of not belonging, of feeling like I'm not sure what it is that 
it's purposeful to me because what happened was it's easy enough i think when we're younger like okay this is what we do to get into high school this is how we graduate this is the how we get to college and this is what we need to get a job those things are kind of like prescriptive so it's easy to kind of step through those things but then inevitably when you're talking about fulfillment uh feeling loved meaning purpose and then things like anxiety and depression you know we don't know why they they're they come in we look at our lives like hey you know especially here i live in silicon valley and for those around the world that you know are um used education which we all need you know to be educated and aware and to be able to work and bring out our calling and our gifts and those are all good but there's another part of ourselves which is called our humanity our spirit our soul our personalities and i think for me loneliness is really not knowing for instance uh, if you were to ask me okay how do you do this product release bonnie um you know how do you deal with the situation school that's come up okay maybe i would know what to say but if you ask me um do you know what you want bonnie uh what would make you happy um in your free time what would you do with it uh why is it that you can't fall asleep at night hmm. um you know these are questions of the soul and and, and about you know th those are difficult and so yeah. loneliness is really just kind of it came about to me that, you know, I was hiding a lot of parts of my story. I felt like it started, my body started showing me what loneliness was. So for me, because I wasn't so connected, you know, I'm really strong in the way I think I'm analytical. My feelings, I kind of put them to the side. I didn't think they were that important. It was only yeah. until my body started telling me, you have anxiety. <laughs> You're actually pretty depressed. And depression for me isn't, uh, non-functional. It's called functioning depression, which is I still can get everything done. I still can be, you know, a mom, grocery shop, you know, I'm even, you know, doing things, getting things done. But inside, internally, I'm just really dragging. I'm feeling down. Wow. I feel like a lot of people would relate to that particular part of what you just said. I mean, we're hearing, um, you know, statistics of you know, counselors and how many people they're seeing and how many people are having to deal with anxiety that came up during the pandemic um, in a different way. But it's it's certainly part of life in the Silicon Valley. I know my friends in Singapore listening are exhausted. I think Singapore is one of the most sleep deprived countries in the world. And, um, and so that does lend itself towards some anxiety and a lot of, um, you know, pressure to perform even when you're not feeling well. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, I, I just, you know, very quickly, you know, in terms of statistics, a uh, report from National Academy of Sciences and Engineering Medicine points out that one third of adults feel lonely. And that's just, you know, obviously we know these survey things, right? I mean, that's one third of people that were willing to admit it. Mm. You know, but here's the thing. It's not shameful to feel lonely because it talks about our deeper need to be connected to each other. So I really, it's my hot button when people talk about loneliness or depression or anxiety, it's presented in such a negative light. In right. fact, it's really a connecting, beautiful thing about our humanity. We need each other. We right. need to share our stories. We need to confide. We need to be able to, to, to be both strong and productive and as well as admitting, you know what, I don't feel so good 
um, let's go out for dinner. I think I need to just meet with somebody or if I can't meet because the pandemic has just taken so much away from us, I need to find other ways to connect with you. Yeah. So, you know, I think that loneliness is an opportunity for us to realize, you know what, there are deeper things that are very meaningful. How am I spending my time reassessing? And I think that's the pandemic. One thing it's done, it's surfaced, it's brought to the surface, the issues maybe that we've just been so busy, we cover up and put to the side, but it's normal, it's natural, nothing wrong with that. But this is an opportunity now, we cannot avoid it. Here are the things that bother us. Okay, it's an opportunity to write a new story. And so that's kind of like getting back into the book about why I feel so passionate about this book is that I think once we start hearing stories, I think that's why Netflix and all these wonderful streaming services during the pandemic, I mean, it's just like we're just glued to it because we need to feel seen. Mm. We need to know we're not alone. So um, it's a beautiful opportunity to share our stories. And people are listening. People are very open. I think we're all very aware of our limitations at this time. So I see it as a golden opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. I had somebody tell me recently, there's only about, I don't know what, like 10 stories in the world. And so like that framework of whatever story, when we hear someone else's story, it it helps us recognize our own in a way. And that's that human connection, the way we were created to, like you mentioned, that we need each other. And I know you talked about how your body was showing you signs that you were experiencing anxiety and that um, yeah, I'm just finishing up the whole the book, The Body Keeps the Score, and my therapist, shout out to her, she's amazing, she teaches a class and that's one of the textbooks, but it's really good to, you know, help us pay attention to our bodies, because, um, you know, sometimes it's not that we sort of cognitively understand what's happening, but our bodies start to show signs that things aren't quite right, and it's just, you know, a way that we were made um, when the little light comes on, <laughs> you need to go get an oil change kind of thing, and so I know that... Um, you know, you have some things that once your body started showing those signs, you ended up, you know, going into therapy and working through some really, really tough things that you end up going more into detail in the book. But if you wouldn't mind sort of sharing your personal journey of finding healing from your wounds from, I think you experienced some sexual assault and date rape. Is that, is that right? And, um, you worked through some of that. And I I know a lot of people listening have had that journey. Um, if the statistics are true, um, it's a it's a common experience. You either have been or you know someone, and you may know a lot of people. So help us understand how you found that healing and what we can learn from your story. Yeah, and I think the reason why I feel so bold to talk about it at, um, is because there was somebody there for me after it happened. And so I feel fortunate because I know not everyone has that, and I felt like a sense of like purpose. Like, okay, I went through something very terrible and it was hard to talk about it because you know would anybody even want me after this um there's just so much focus especially in my culture and um you know in the kind of religious culture about purity and um i did everything right meaning (laughs) You know, this is somebody I knew for like over a year in college. It, I I didn't date in high school. And so I just thought that this person was going to be my friend. And we have a circle of people that we all knew. Um, you know, I felt like I, I, I knew it was a safe person. Yeah. And so, you know, I have to save the details for the storytelling in my book. 
But I guess for the purposes of our podcast as to why I felt compelled to share about it and how to heal from it is that, you know, I just ignored it. When it happened, I said, because somebody was there, I called um, somebody that I knew in high school. She was my mentor. This speaks to the power of mentoring. Mm. Um, She shared her story with me before I went to college. And she said, if anything were to happen to you, you know, you need to be able to know you can call me. When she told me that, I mean, like, okay, I felt bad that that happened to her, but you know, I didn't think it would happen to me. I'm like pretty, you know, I grew up in, uh, shall we say, uh, I guess in poverty and I didn't grow up in the best environment. So I felt like, you know, I have my, uh, you know, streetwise sense on, you know, (laughs) so I didn't think that was something like that would happen to me. But, um, afterwards I just kind of like moved on, Mm. you know, like, okay, uh, it, it happened, but it's not part of my story. I just cut it out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, why why hold on to things like that? But um, interestingly enough, it wasn't until I became a parent and I was going to talk about the birds and the bees to my son mm. that this whole question came back up for me. And um, I was thinking, OK, I want my son to be able to, you know, respect women, to be aware that this happens and not just for women. I mean, for him as a you know, future young man as well. I mean, it happens to men. And statistics are very powerful. They really empowered me to know, okay, this this is something many people go through. And so I said, I I, I need to tell Josh this. And interestingly enough, our children, aren't they many times the ones that guide us into truth? Mm -hmm. He said, well, mom, um, you know, you sound like you're so like you're you're telling me so much detail about it. It's like it's good, mom. You know I'm good. You know, <laughs> and I and I realized I need to let him know my story as to why I was so passionate about it. And so, I think one point in healing our past and being able to come to terms with our past is that it frees us mm-hmm. to talk to our children. Sometimes we like to tell our children or teach or preach to them or tell them why something is right or wrong. But yet I truly believe it's our stories that will free us to have credibility and establish that emotional trust and love. So I talk about this a lot as a speaker, as an author, but I said, okay, I need to do this now with my son. And I began to tell him the story. I said, well, let me tell you, um, I didn't know if you would be able to, you know, be able to absorb it, but I'm going to tell you something very vulnerable about me as a woman and not just as your mom. And even as I think about this right now, it's so emotional for me. And I told him what happened to me. And I thought my son, he's a teenage, uh, preteen, what, tween at the time. And he said, I thought he'd be like, TMI, TMI, you know, or like, ooh, mom, that's like, I didn't want to know that about you. But in fact, my son, he held me, he he hugged me and he said, mom, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Mm. And I'm, I'm crying because it's emotional. It's beautiful. Mm. The something that wounded me is now opening a doorway with my son. And he said, mom, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And so like, that was so beautiful. I was able to, you know, have that moment with my son. I know it built, built credibility between him and me. Now he can relate to me. I said, yeah, so sometimes I'm going to be the mom, but you also need to know that I was a teenager. I was a college student. You can confide in me and I will not, I'll share my stories with you. I will share my stories with you. So um, kind of getting back to your question about healing and therapy though, the thing that wounded me the most though, wasn't 
not that it sexual assault wasn't wounding. Obviously, that's a whole nother podcast. But for me, um, the thing that surprised me when I started having the onset of panic attacks, and this is related to my journey, is that I didn't know why I was having them. It, it, they started happening every two hours. I was choking as I was sleeping. Wow. When I, yeah, they were very severe. I went from not having any anxiety or panic attacks up until I hit 40 when I had my second son. And um, what was interesting is that I found a very loving husband. I got married later than most of my friends in my 30s. And that's another thing, obviously, in my culture, like yeah. in American culture, like uh, you're getting old, you're in your 30s. <laughs> right. Another story for another podcast. But um, I, I married somebody that was very loving. I had my second son. I've already worked for 15 years because I got married later in life. And I felt like I was at a very peaceful time in my life. But then all of a sudden I started having panic attacks at night while I'm sleeping. I don't know. I'm not aware of anything I'm worried about. You know, and then I found a trauma therapist. I went to a uh, counseling center. I saw the founder because I wanted to ask him, who can I see as a recommendation? But Lori, he was a PTSD therapist. I did not think I had PTSD, but just because he was the founder, I just went to the top guy. <laughs> but he said, Bonnie, you have PTSD. Just listening to me for five minutes, tell him about like, I have no idea what's wrong. I'm waking up choking every two hours. Everything's fine in my life, very loving. I don't live in my childhood anymore. You know, I've, I've overcome, blah, blah, blah. And he said, this is typical of a PTSD person because did you know a soldier does not experience panic attacks when he's out on the battlefield? Right. When he's strong, fighting, taking care of other people, he's surviving. When does a soldier experience panic attacks? I was just asking. Home. Yeah, no, it's when he's back home and things are just peaceful and normal and he can, yeah, not not on the battlefield. They're, they're usually in sync on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, so he said, exactly. He said, it's when he comes home. So he said, Bonnie, um, you're having panic attacks not because you're failing in life. It's because you've been strong. You mm. have succeeded, but now it's time for you to heal. And so... I said, but I, I mean, I did, I even denied like the sexual assault thing because I had a friend there for me. I said, oh, but you know, I've not been physically assaulted and, um, you know, I, I'm not traumatized by anything. And he said, did you know, Bonnie, that, and this changed my life. Okay. He said, did you know that verbal abuse, emotional abuse has the same impact as physical abuse? Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. That's so powerful. I did not know that. And I was like silent, you know me, you, you can tell from this podcast, I, I you know, I, I'm profuse with words, but at that moment I said nothing because I realized, wow, well, if that's the case, I have a lot of healing to do. Yeah. And I think growing up in, in Asian American culture or any culture where your family code is not to talk about the things that wound you or hurt you, don't ask questions about why your father left when he was seven, uh, when you were seven, don't talk to me about anything that is going to get us down. Just, you know, keep going. I mean, that just changed my life. I realized there are stories that I need to share. I need to share. I need to be able to be present in this world. And apparently our bodies, our mental health, we well-being is connected to our ability to 
share our stories and to embrace our stories. Yes, that is so true. I, I learned in um, trauma counseling in the tsunami days that the value of telling the story. When you're safe, when you're in a place where there's not going to be an earthquake right now, the building's not going to fall down on you, and you can just sit and drink a cup of tea and tell your story, it's like, you're okay. You're okay, and so just tell me what happened. And that's how we kind of go from brain to heart. You know, it's a lot of the stuff of what's behind the EMDR therapy for PTSD. And it kind of like there is a way that it can get stuck if you don't talk about it. But the talking about it in a way that's, you know, you're, you're not going to be re-injured because your body starts to feel like it's going to be triggered again somehow. You know, little smells or noises are very powerful the way it gets trapped in kind of this limbic part of the brain. And so, um, yes, I'm very familiar with that on a level where I've personally witnessed this many, many times. And I think that one of the myths, and I'm so glad you're speaking about it in this way, a lot of the myths that we have about people who have either PTSD or any kind of trauma, and it's showing up in these very physical ways, or even, you know, mentally people, you know, struggling with some, you know, overcoming some of those thoughts. Some of the um, myths around it are that it only happens to weak people or people who aren't strong, but that's actually not been my experience at all with people I've known. I mean, when we think about soldiers, soldiers tend to often be very strong and have, you know, maybe they've actually done some pretty brave things on the battlefield. So it's not that they're not courageous or strong, and they may not even be really emotional people, but that's just the thing. It's not... It, it, it has it doesn't choose only people who are emotional it it's you don't get to choose it chooses you and it's just how we process it so um did you deal with any of that in terms of shame or you know from other people like what's wrong with you you don't seem emotional why are you so emotional now <laughs> kind of thing i think it's more of um more like if i because i i actually have naturally been a very optimistic person. I'm the kind of friend that everyone turns to for help. And, you know, that's why I, I love um, doing, you know, um, work with uh, young people. And, you know, in my church community, I love rallying, you know, communities together and support people. So when I suddenly went from this kind of encourager type role to and a leader, you know, when you have panic attacks, you basically can't hardly breathe. You yeah. can't, you're, you're not sleeping. So you're just like sleep deprived out of your mind. You're exhausted. And for somebody like me that never even experienced that because, you know, I put myself through college. I'm the kind of person that likes to, you know, snowboard double black diamonds, you know, to go from that <laughs> to like, I'm having panic attacks at the supermarket. I'm afraid to drive because I'm going to have them so severe that it was hard because my friends one time i'll remember this and i wrote about it in my first book i said i called a friend she was a close friend i'm crying because i'm having the panic attacks and it's scaring me at the time i didn't know it was ptsd i called her and she's like oh um i i'm sorry i i'm actually gonna go out for a walk now um i'll call you later i can't talk right now and then guess what she never called me back wow and I don't, I'm not angry at her. It's more like I was so alone. I felt so ashamed, like, oh no, this is the first time I just bawled and cried. You know, nobody had seen that side of me and, and it's rejected, mm. you know? And so I just learned, okay, um, I need to find some people that are going to be with me during this new journey that I have. And it's actually worked out beautifully because 
it's become my life message now where what you said that, you know what, my heart goes out to the encouragers, to the strong leaders, to those who are there for everyone, because we are all definitely afraid. If I were to let other people know that I am struggling, I, I think that they're not going to love me or want me or need me and judge me, which is the truth. Some people will, but some people won't. And so that's kind of like interesting. You talk about the soldier, Lori. I am a five foot Chinese American girl born in California. And you know what that means in terms of I don't know anything about, you know, the military life. I didn't know anybody that served in the military. It's not part of the Silicon Valley Bay Area culture here. Okay? okay. But they invited me. I was the first civilian to be invited to lead officers, not frontline infantry, but officers, leaders to talk about their stories, to help them, you know, process their stories. And it was such an honor. And it blew my mind that this part of my life, Lori, where I felt the sense of shame initially, right? Because I didn't go through the journey yet, that I hid about myself these stories. Guess what? Wow. Now it's connecting me to other people that are like me, the strong ones, the encouragers. And we're saying, you know what? We all have stories and there's nothing shameful about it. It actually shows our humanity and we we need each other and they're beautiful. I mean, part of the reason why we love dramas, you know, I mean, that's like really important in movies and stories. Look at all the ones that are the bestsellers and, you know, the blockbusters. It's like human, our human stories. And that's what we need right now all around the world. So this book that I have here, you know, it's taken me 10 years, Lori, to get it published because publishing industry, I was told 10 years ago, there isn't a market for Asian American stories. When we say market, we're talking about, you know, publishers want to, you know, business, make money. And so I've been persevering for 10 years and I just said, no way, real life we live, we love stories. So I just feel so grateful. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I have a chance to talk about this. The more diverse we can share our stories, the more actually I feel we have unity. Because when we show how different we are, we make space for, for somebody else to say, you know what? Um, this happened to me in college. This happened to me as a childhood. This happened to me in the workplace. This happened to me in my marriage with my children. And suddenly we have space for each other. Right now, if it's all cookie cutter stories, guess what? We're not going to share anything. I know that because that's what happened to me. So um, again, I just appreciate it. Anybody who you know supports basically making sure we have a diverse voice. I mean, I think we are all just connecting and making it a less lonely world that way. Um, at, at some point in the podcast, when you feel like it's the right time, Lori, I do want to read an excerpt from the book. Yeah, go for it now. We can do it now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So one thing that I learned from my journey of healing and also um, just as I continue to write and use my words this power, um, when I was a child, the only friends I truly had because I was always hiding who I was and hiding my stories because I didn't want to bring shame to my family. I didn't want to bring shame to myself, obviously, but I, I was very protective of my family. Um, but I had to learn new ways that actually brokenness is beautiful. Vulnerability is a gift. 
these words, they weren't part of my vocabulary. You know, I understood them in my mind, but they weren't part of my vocabulary. But as I was writing these stories, I realized my prayer, okay, and kind of my message, my echo into my own self was, you need to be more honest than you are comfortable with, Bonnie. Mm, and it applies to parenting, marriage, friendships, work, conflict. Bonnie, you need to be more honest than you are comfortable with. And so I would challenge myself. I would say, what would you say if you were to give yourself permission to be more honest than you are comfortable with? And that prompt has been very helpful for me. So um, as a writer, this story emerged and I put it in the book. Okay. I'm going to read it now. Don't worry. It's not super long. <laughs> now I didn't get married until I was in my thirties, right? I was telling you this and I f did not fall in love. I have no idea why, cause I'm a very gregarious person. I love meeting people. I had lots of friends, but I just didn't fall in love. Lori, I just thought maybe something inside me is broken cause I just can't fall in love. Um, but I finally met somebody that I think I might be in love with, which turns out to be my husband, Eric. Okay. So, but my mother was not for this at all because my husband is not Chinese. Yeah. Okay. So here's a scene when I wanted to go with friends down trip. I'm in California. There's roller coasters in Southern California called magic mountain. So, um, this is a conversation. This is a scene between my mother and I, Ama, that's Chinese for mom. Ama, this is just a simple fun weekend to go ride roller coasters. I haven't dated anyone since college. I'm 31 years old, Ama. Maybe you're right, it won't last, but I like Eric. I won't know if I don't try. I've taken care of you my whole life. Why can't you be happy for me? I started crying because I was more scared than anything. Scared that if I said it so bluntly, what would happen? Scared because I'd never spoken to my mom like this ever before. How stupid can you be? Ama said. A man comes along and pays you a little attention and you think that makes you special? Ama scoffed. You've forgotten who you are, Bonnie Lee. You're my daughter. You belong to me. Ama screamed it at the top of her lungs, her eyes wild with rage, wailing with all her might, like she was blowing air out of her lungs, her face turning purple, her hands balled up in a fist. If I thought I was scared before, I was beyond terrified now. I felt as if I'd been teleported into another dimension, into almost like a horror movie. You know, that fuzzy filter that goes berserk? That was how I was feeling, and I thought, that she would storm out and would hear her grab her car keys and slam the front door as she often did leaving me behind when I was a little girl. Instead, Ama tore out thundering into the kitchen. I heard drawers opening and slamming shut. The next thing I knew, she flew back into the room with a glint of steel, brandishing a large pair of scissors in her hand. She shoved my sliding closet doors open, violently yanking my clothes off the hangers. She was shaking as she pulled apart my clothes by the neck openings to tear them up, simultaneously, wildly, haphazardly cutting up my clothes, running the blade of the shears against my clothes with one hand and tugging at them like she was strangling the life out of them. Everything you have 
everything you are is because of me. If it weren't for me, there would be no you, Amma screamed. Each line as she clawed at my desk, clutching whatever she could get her hands on, ejecting my books, notebooks, knickknacks, swiping things off, throwing them all over my room in a confetti of fury. I stood there choking in my tears, afraid to move or breathe, frozen and paralyzed. Confusion engulfed me. How can something so simple go so wrong? And a thought hit me like a siren. Something is really, really wrong. Mm. Wow, thanks for sharing your story. And I'm, I know I'm speaking for everyone listening. Thank you for learning the word vulnerability along the way, because uh, your vulnerability helps us to see your experience and it helps us to understand uh, the common humanity that we share with you. And I know that people listening have probably had some similar stories happen in their lives too. I know people very close to me who have, um, as Asian American or Asian women actually, married someone who was not Asian. And a lot of Asian families do not take very well to that because there's a lot of expectations that are unmet and some shame that gets brought on with that. So thank you for sharing your story. And I think I want to say that, you know, since I've been reading this excerpt, as I've been sharing in different spaces, I've been, you know, it's connecting with people of all cultures. Every one of us have had those moments where someone stood in front of us and said, no, you do not have permission from me to be who you want to be. No, it could be a friend, a spouse, a teacher, a boss. And so it transcends culture. But what's interesting is that when we are authentic, speaking from our culture, we become connected. And part of this journey, what I did through this book is I share letters that I write to myself. So I want to share this. This is what I wrote to myself as I looked back on that story. Beloved, you have to make a very hard decision one day to choose peace over fear. You're going to have to choose to believe you are worthy of that peace. And you will have to leave even though you've given your all to stay. Peace isn't freedom from conflict. Peace is trusting God and yourself enough to make the right choice in the midst of conflict. Choosing peace means you will need to let go of someone or something you've held on to so that you can be led to something greater and truer in your life for yourself. So I, I just want to say, you know, not to leave us on a cliffhanger, but to remind us that when we choose peace over fear, that is the moment we share our stories. And that loneliness that we all feel collectively will dissipate, will fade. Even just saying, I have been feeling lonely. That statement right there already has dissipated our loneliness. So um, I just hope that this story and our humanity will continue to get more visibility, whatever areas we are in. Um, and I think that is the true golden opportunity for us coming out of the pandemic and as a people here in America, as well as globally, as, as people of every nation, we are all humans and we can connect with each other through our stories. 
Yes, amen to that. <laughs> and uh, thank you for sharing what has been a very painful um, experience for you or multiple painful experiences with you and writing them out in a book. I know that that has to be very, very uh, vulnerable to do. And as you launch this baby into the world, we want to help you celebrate this birth. <laughs> and uh, and we're excited that you, you've invited us into this, this journey with you. And I know that you will be an inspiration to everyone listening who's ever had to overcome something or currently needs to overcome something people all of us carry fears of various kinds whether it's fear of you know not having anybody around the loneliness or fear of finances or fear of reputation what will people think um, all of it like you said when you want peace then you you have to be courageous enough to choose peace over the fear and certainly stories of people like you who've done that really inspire us to do it ourselves. So I know that reading your story is gonna help so many people, even if this, the details are different, the concept is the same, um, no matter who we are and where we are. So thank you for sharing your book with us. How can people find you if they wanna follow your writing and, and all the things? Thank you so much, Lori. You're so kind, so welcoming, so inviting, making it easy to share on this podcast, as all your listeners know from following you. Uh, please, I invite listeners who resonate with my story that want to support me in stepping out to share my stories, stand shoulder to shoulder with me and pre-order Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. I feel bold, Lori, to ask for help because I've learned that if I stay quiet, then I am lonely. But if I ask for help, I'm no longer alone. So friends, <laughs> please support this book that represents all our stories you can go to sweetlikejasmine.com it can give you more information about the book there's pre-order bonus gifts i will i've narrated the audiobook it's free for anybody who pre-orders and uh, that was fun and challenging to just be really animated but i love telling these stories because they will all inspire you we go from you know valley to mountaintop i won't leave you in the valley i promise we will go <laughs> and scale mountaintops as well and then you also get a free stories of faith journal this is the very journal i used for my healing process that will enable you to write your stories, but in a beautiful way that you can pass on your legacy. I talked about Lori, how I pursued finding the mystery, the answers behind the mysteries of my story for my children. And so this book is also first time I read it to them just this April when I finished the manuscript and I followed the prompts in this uh, stories of faith journal that you can leave your legacy and it's been a very powerful healing process for my children as they know more about me i promise you listeners your children i am i have a book club right now which you'll also get access if you pre-order everyone i asked them what would you like to know about your past or your family every one of them said i wish i knew more about my mother or father hmm. what were they like as children how did they meet why did they get divorced? Every one of us, there's a child with each of us. So I hope that I can inspire you to, to, to just look at your story, see the beauty in them and share them with your children, your friends, and first and foremost, your very self. So sweetlikejasmine.com. Thank you so much. You can also find me on Instagram at the Bonnie Gray and on Facebook at the Bonnie Gray and online at the Bonnie 
That's wonderful. And I know that not only by reading your story are people going to be inspired, but the, the way you're encouraging other people to write out their stories for their children, for others, um, it seems like it could really start a great movement of people, you know, becoming more vulnerable in ways that encourage each other and, and to, you know, open up secrets in the family that, that should be told so we can learn from them and grow from them and appreciate them. Yes, that's my passion behind this book. It's not just about learning about Bonnie. You're going to, the purpose of all these stories is so that you can explore your story. And you reminded me, Lori, every chapter at the end has questions for the reader to ask of themselves so that they can start writing a journal of their stories if they like to journal. And if not, just reflecting. And, you know, science shows that when we reflect on our experiences and we look for the good along with the pain, that is healing. It lifts up, um, relieves stress, relieves anxiety, relieves depression. And in fact, if you journal even once every three months for 15 minutes, science has shown that it will boost mood, it will elevate mood and uh, lessen stress, anxiety and depression. So these two things are very, very, very good for our mental health. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that I've heard people talk about how like, you know, I feel like you open your eyes and look for all the red things in the room at the moment, and then you close them, and then you um, ask someone, what are the yellow things? Well, they didn't notice those, so nobody knows what they are, right? <laughs> but that's the thing about your pain and your joy. Like, they're both there, and if you ignore the heart, hurt and the pain and the shame, and you only see the joy, then you're going to miss the part of your story you need to learn from. And then vice versa is true. If you just dwell in the pain, the shame, and the hurt, you'll never see that there was joy and goodness. Um, but we have to hold them both because they're both true. And that helps us kind of move everything between brain and heart in the way that it's supposed to. But thank you for those tips. We are in a change maker series. And so I just wanted to give you an opportunity if you have anyone in your life that has inspired you in any way to be a change maker, because clearly you are, um, not just in your family, but as a writer and as a speaker and um, for all my podcast listeners. Um, is there anyone that you had in your journey that inspired you as a change maker that we could also appreciate? <laughs> oh, you're asking me now? Yeah. Do oh, you have wow. You mean like in my personal life? Anyone. It could be a writer. It could be an actor. It could be a politician. <laughs> it could oh. be a family member. Just anyone that you just admire that helped you just to be like, oh, they're, they're a change maker that's really influenced you. Okay. <laughs> I know my audience, the audience might be like, oh, but it really is my husband. Aww. I really <laughs> love my husband because, you know, he kind of grew up in a mill town and it's so interesting. We're so different from different backgrounds. And yet I feel like the person that is a change maker, I see how he stepped through writing a new story in his life, joining me to write my new story in my life and his vulnerability, his honesty, and you'll find more as you read my story. I think that is a person that, you know, I really admire and inspires me. And the other person is Mary Ann Young. She um, is somebody who turned to me when I was in uh, junior high. Uh, I went to church as a little girl and she was the only person that ever came to my home. I lived in a very poor part of town but she was the only person from church that came to my home once a week. And guess what, Lori, she said, I said, well, why, why do you want to come to my home? Like, I did not want anybody to come to my home, you know, and um, because it was just so, you know, not, not, I didn't feel it's a nice place compared to all the other people that lived in nice homes. But she said, I want to read a book with you once a week. I want to, let's pick a book. Let's do kind of like a little book club together. And that little girl in me that loves books, 
which, you know, she didn't know, but I was like, oh, wow, that really drew me. So that relationship has continued to now when, you know, I'm a mom myself with two kids. So that's a decades long. She's a change maker. I would say change maker because she loves and accepts me, continues to keep in touch with me regularly. Um, so for me, that's I believe that's how lives change is under the care and nourishment of people who listen well. And I know that I am who I am in terms of curiosity, listening because of her. I, I, I don't claim any credit because it was given to me, Lori, and that is what I offer to others. So Marianne Young is that person for me. Wow. She seems like an amazing person. I hope there are lots of people listening who are inspired by Marianne Young and how she inspired you to clearly become an author and read books to you so that now you know how to write and tell your story. And it really is so simple, but so profound. And I love this question. Um, I haven't asked it yet because I want every listener to feel like we do not have to look up to people who are famous in order to be change makers. Yep. And you can see from my life, these people have changed. So you are a spouse, you can change somebody's life. You are a mother, you can change your child's life. Um, you are um, a single person, you can change another uh, child's life or another person you come alongside at the time when both, you know, my husband listening to me or Marianne listening to me. I mean, we never knew any of this would lead to a book or anything, but you know, there is power behind people in quiet ways. Those are the things that truly matter. So thank you for asking that question, Lori. You're welcome. Well, part of what we want to talk about here on the World Difference podcast is that we don't make changes alone. There's always, it takes a village to do everything. And so when we get inspired by people, we know that there's usually people that inspired us too. It's very rare that we have someone who did it all on their own. <laughs> so thanks to Marianne. When you see her, you can thank her for us and how wonderful we get to um, know her story through you. Um, yeah, and she's in the book too. I do. Yay. I thanked her. Yeah, so like, gosh, yeah, I know. That's awesome. Well, it's lovely to talk with you, Bonnie. Everybody go out and buy Bonnie's book, pre-order it, and find all the things and um, and share it with your friends. It's a story that we, we need to tell. So thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, Lori. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Uh, her story is so compelling. I can't wait to read the book. I have not yet myself read it, but I'm going to be pre-ordering it and reading it. It seems like such a fascinating story. I love the vulnerability that Bonnie shows and just in the podcast today and, um, and then in the writing that she says she's written down for us to read. And also just to, you know, check out the journal with the writing prompts and, and, you know, take her challenge on of telling our own stories. So our own children and, and our people in our family and those who know us can, follow along with the journey that we've gone through of hills and valleys, the pain, the struggle, the joys, the triumphs. Um, our stories are inspirational, whether we realize they are or not, because they humanize us and they help us connect. And it's one of the most basic aspects of being human, which is human connection. And so stories are so powerful for that reason. And we all carry, you know, mistakes We've made mistakes that have been made to us, shame, honor, um, you know, successes, failures. We've learned from our failures, and sometimes we we haven't. Those are all part of our stories, and so I'm I'm just really fascinated to read her story because it will no doubt help me understand her better, but it'll also help me understand myself and those around me better because that's what stories do, and they give us hope. 
um, for what could be and how we can continue to, you know, be the kind of person we want to be making a difference in other people's lives. It's a, it's a way to listen deeply by reading someone's story. So I look forward to reading hers and I look forward to reading any of yours. If you're writing those, uh, finding her journal and using those writing prompts and coming up with your own stories, I'd love to hear about that. And I'm sure Bonnie would as well. So reach out to her. We'll put her social media and where you can find her in the show notes. Go and buy her book. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Pre-order it so that she can, uh, you know, get her story out there to more people and inspire people. Also, just because, you know, when it comes to a lot of people want to be a part of helping stop this Asian hate that we're seeing here in the United States, even in the Bay Area and in other parts of the world even. And so one of the ways that we can do that is by actually listening, very deeply listening to the stories of Asian Americans or um, other Asians around the world as they write their story. It helps us to empathize and it helps us humanize each other. And so I do encourage you to get her, her book and read it, if, not, if for nothing else, for that reason. The story is, is super compelling, I can already tell, and I have a good friend um, who's already read the book and said it was, it was great. She just finished it. So go out and buy Bonnie's book, Sweet Like Jasmine, and uh, look forward to next week. Our, our guest next week is going to be a professor uh, talking about third culture kids stuff. Uh, she's a professor that teaches around this. Her name is Donnie Aldine, and she'll be here talking to us about all things TCK and multicultural, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. All right, everyone, take care, and we'll talk to you next week. As we're finishing this episode, if you're thinking, I really wish I could learn more or go a little bit deeper. Well, that's what our Difference Maker community is for. I would love to welcome you in to join the rest of us there. Once again, um, it's only $5 a month to join the price of a latte at your local coffee shop. You can join at our Changers tier. Difference Makers is a community that really means so much to me. It's very special because each time I have a guest on the show, I record something um, outside of what we give to just the regular podcast audience where we go a little bit deeper and then I post those video episodes in this community and we can discuss them. But also at the very uh, beginning tier, which is our changers tier of this community, you'll get exclusive voting power and help pick podcast topics that give us you know, more of what we want from your perspective. You'll have access to exclusive um, 30 plus mini-sodes that aren't out there for the general public. And you'll get every month an exclusive monthly bonus mini-sode. At our Groundbreakers level, which is $10 a month, you can join and get all of that, but also priority access to submit questions to the podcast. And you'll get an additional two exclusive monthly bonus mini-sodes. And at our Trailblazers tier, which is $15 a month, the price of three lattes a month, um, you can get all of that plus also three exclusive monthly bonus minisodes um, and a patron shout out. So I would love for you to join us at any of those tiers. Um, it'll help you come into this community, be in the midst of all of us, other difference makers, and we'd love to hear your perspective. I certainly would. It's a place to engage more with me and the audience around what you like, what you're resonating with, and once again, go deeper with each of our guests. So please join us in this membership community. I would love to hear your perspective and love to share this extra content with you. So show up at patreon.com slash a world of difference.